Welcome everyone to the 84th episode of the Peer Podcast, which stands for Politically Entertaining with Evolving Randomness. Um, in this special episode, we're going to hear from our first guest ever, Jeff Ward, who is a political consultant, even a campaign manager for a couple of, not a couple of, actually more than dozens of um, candidates and he has won a majority of those battles so if for some reason if you don't think extracting some good advice from him or listening to some good advice and tough feedback then he certainly is not the guy for you or if if you're serious about winning local elections from mayor to state senator whatever term use this book as a guidance and i'm gonna plug it in right now normally i don't do this in this intro but i need to emphasize this because i'm tired of seeing thin-skinned egotistical candidates campaign and say oh i want to do this just to build a name for myself for example me as a voter, I'm already turned off. You're egotistical. I don't care if you're part of the far left, the far right, or even the center. If you're egotistical, you know, I'm just going to reject you. I, me as a voter and million other voters, not just me, will find any little reason not, and I'm going to emphasize the word again, not to vote for you. So I'm going to plug in this product here because he deserves a shout out. And the website is winalocalelection.com. That is W-I-N-A-L-O-C-A-L-E-L-E-C-T-I-O-N.com. Winalocalelection.com. Okay. So, um, our first part, primary politics, this is going to be a one of three. Yeah, so in other words, this is going to be a three-parter. This is going to touch episode 84 of this one, and the next two episodes as well, 85 and 86. I think this is very important, and I don't want to over-bombard you listeners. Unless you want to. If you want to challenge yourselves, I'd be more than happy just to throw the whole thing right here. I'll find a way to do that. I need a request. And now this could be the first time me even asking for it. If you really like this podcast, at least one of the segments, because this is a multi-niche podcast. It's about politics, entertainment, and we're talking finale, which is another term I use for randomness. It could be an expansion of one of the two, the first one of the two segments, or even a brand new topic. It could be about spirituality spirituality, philosophy, religion, weird shit, whatever. Okay? That's what the third one's there for. It allows me to be random, because sometimes I get tired of talking about politics and even games and board games video games. So, that's what the third segment's there for. It's a wild card. <laughs> you consider it a wild card segment if you want. Whatever's up to you. Doesn't matter. So, we plug in here, and that's all a primary politics would be for episodes 
84 this one and the next two 85 and 86 okay i'm not gonna be talking about much political news because come on you don't want to hear about oh, the taliban killed another person or biden screwing up oh, what the infrastructure package come on you don't want to hear that whole repetition nonsense i'm sure i'm sure you're tired of that news but you're gonna listen to something different something political something more constructive something more informative this is the podcast for you especially the first segment so this is primary politics and i'm allowing jeff ford to dominate <laughs> but just interview which personally i don't mind he has a lot of incredible insight as long as you have as long as you add value to the podcast, I don't even care if you do more talking than I do. Okay, this podcast, ironically, is not about me. You know, it has some reflection of me, true, but it's not all about me. It's all about me. All I can do is talk to myself, go crazy, go go crazy, loco, but that's it. So that's all you're going to get for primary politics. It's longer than usual. I know. Now, it's going to get a bit normalized here. For mid-game... We have three items. We have bad news for another gaming division, but this was on the Google. Google is much more powerful. This is just a gaming division that's not doing so well. And then we have a bit of an interview, which I think is interesting, between these two guys of IGN. I'm not going to play much of the video, but I am going to share some of the points of it, and I'm going to link the video in the description of this episode. And just in case you didn't hear what I said about you know, Jeff, I'm going to put the link in the description on my episode as well. So that's what I'm going to do. And then for Mage Night, and this is the third and final item of mid-game, I'm going to talk about my review on Mage Night. I think it's a very great board game. Um, yes, I'm also a board game there. Yes, I'm just realizing that great. Um, I am, uh, you know, this game is this game is very amazing, but it's very complicated. And this board game is not for everybody. I'm going to talk about my opinion, what's a review, and and this is going to be this is going to also partially take over the next episode as well. Because I'm going to give a more in-depth review. This is going to be more of a short version of my review. What I like, what I don't like. And this is more of the old copy. I'm getting Ultimate Edition. Because a lot of pieces broke, whatever. And I can actually afford it. Um, so, stating that. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to talk about it. And if you're into board games, this is worth a listen. Now for the third and final segment. And this is about weird topic finale. And we have a very weird article for you. And this was published months ago. I'm late to this, but I thought this would be weird. And and I'll tell you more of the full context of this. Sometimes I wait for some things to build up. Then I'll talk about it. This one here was brought to attention through a friend of mine, and I think this will be very, very good for Weird Topic Finale. And I'm just going to say one, a few words about it. It's about Trans Species Man, who identifies as a, as a deer. 
Yeah, you think the... Just when you think the world couldn't get any weirder. Just when you think the world couldn't get any weirder. Alrighty. This is your somewhat lengthy <laughs> intro. And we'll reach to we reach the first segment. And the first segment is all about part one. My interview with Jeff Ward. Which I do appreciate his time. You know, for providing such great insight about politics. He gave some insight about national politics. But he also gave a lot more about local politics. Okay? And it's worth a listen. It's worth a listen. Okay? It's going to be about less of me talking and more of him talking. Okay? It's going to be like that for episodes... Um, 84, 85, 86, okay? That's all I have to say. Alrighty, thank you for your listenership. And we'll reach the first segment right after our usual sponsor. Anchor is a free podcasting app that is perfect for beginners. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast. Anchor will distribute your podcast so that it could be heard in other platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That is A-N-C-H-O-R. .fm. I'm going to repeat. It is A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started. What are you waiting for? I've been doing this for about a year now. And if you really have the passion to start a podcast, you should do it. It's fun and easy. All right. So let's get So How can we start this? Because this is so much. Well, I mean, I'd be happy to introduce myself. You know, first of all, I'd be more than happy to say thank you for having me on, uh, Elias. I, I, my, one of my favorite quotes is the only thing better than interviewing somebody is being interviewed by somebody. I thoroughly enjoy the process. I'm Jeff Ward. I, I got my start kind of covering the political arena with the uh, suburban Chicago Sun-Times newspapers in 2006. My timing sucked because we went right into a print media depression. I wrote for the Aurora Beacon News, Aurora's Illinois' second largest city. Uh, I wrote for the Elgin Courier News. Elgin is Illinois' seventh largest city. Uh, when uh, Patch was owned by America Online, I wrote for 22 of those. I have been a campaign manager for about six or seven years. I have a pretty good track record. It's somewhere north of 75%. Uh, but to be fair, I don't take candidates that can't win. And if you come to me and say, hey, I want to make a name for myself for a second run, I'm good. I also won't take candidates that won't listen because I, I don't want to take somebody's money. Um, and then I was writing a book, a compendium of my columns. A good friend said, no, 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 that's your third book. Your first book has to be so you want to win a local election. And I popped myself upside the head, which of course you can just saw me do and said, why didn't I think of that? It, it was a nightmare self-publishing uh, until I took control of the process. 
The book is out. It's available on Amazon in three formats. It is like having a campaign manager at your side. It is, you have read the whole thing, 410 pages of an eight by 10 book. Uh, I have to go back to the book to remind myself of things I once knew, but it's written in an outline format. The table of contents is in an outline format. And that way, if, you, if you're here in Illinois and you go, how do you get signs and frozen ground? You go to that chapter, you go to that subsection. How do I decide, you know, what my message will be? Well, you go to that subsection. You do not have to read the book straight through like you did. So there you go. Well, that is such a, I mean, amazing introduction. Uh, I, think, well, I think you should even take over this. Quite oh, I also had a, a radio show out of Elgin for five years. It yes, so. was called uh, Ward Jones. Uh, and our theme song was stuck in the middle with you because Larry was a conservative and I'm a liberal and we always met in the same place. Almost forgot that. So I enjoy these things I was, very much. That's one of the questions I got actually. Well, what was your positive? Do you lean more liberal, more conservative? I am a, it, they used to call them blue dog Democrats. They were Southern Democrats back in the 60s and 70s. There's still a few left, but blue dog Democrats are socially liberal. Mm -hmm and fiscally conservative. Okay, so we believe in giving someone a leg up, uh, leveling the playing field, but at some point you have to run with it. And, and, you know, my wife's a teacher and it's abundantly clear and they've proven it that throwing money at education doesn't solve the problems or increase test scores. So I want you to succeed, but don't spend my money in doing so if you don't really need to. That's what sums up kind of my, uh, political gestalt. Okay. So I actually find myself in the middle, probably aligning with Republicans a little more local, because particularly in Illinois, uh, Elias, they've let go of the silly social issues. And there's such a minority in Springfield, our capital, that they're more willing to listen to reason. Okay, no, that's, that's um, great. You know, that's how I started. I started mm. myself more as a centrist more of a moderate because i've seen some valid points on the right and some valid points yeah. on the left and i broke things down issue by issue i to me being a far right or left to me it's insane and in, it's in I, I mean i never i'm 63 years old and i never thought i'd live in this time progressives are loons and trump supporters are loons and that's I my mean, it's, exact it's, sense it's a level of insanity that I, I never thought I'd bear witness to. I don't know if you heard of the movie Idiocracy. I mean, it wasn't supposed to actually happen. And here we are. So yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty much the same politically. And by the way, that's a big negative as a campaign manager because the Democrats want someone that only works with Democrats and the Republicans want someone that only works with Republicans. Despite the fact that I've gotten our Democratic sheriff who's doing an amazing job in Kane County, Ron Hay, and I got our state's attorney elected, Democrats won't touch me because, you know, they'd rather hear what they want to hear and lose than hear the truth and win. Wow, man. I mean, listen, I'm personally, I'm more of a logical, rational person. I'm going to listen to an expert I'm going to, well, this is explicit. This this is an adult program. And I already told my friends, I don't want no children listening to this because I'm going to use curse words and certain times are going to be controversial. I use, I've gotten good at controlling myself, but I generally have a foul mouth. 
So I said, don't have your kids listen to this podcast. Yeah, you, no. You're failing as a parent. It's not my problem. <laughs> I warned you that, no, that's it. Oh, me, me, I know when to shut the fuck up and listen to an expert. So it's like, oh, what about this? What about that? I don't want to sound like well, As long as, you know, the, but the problem is who's an expert? You, right. you know, Dr. Fauci, unless if we get into COVID, well, you know, I'm just, to me, he's been more wrong than right. So that's when I do my own research. I just did, and we're getting a little off here, but that's okay. I just did a column, thefirstward.net, all spelled out on, you know, why our hospitals are so easily overwhelmed. And I, I really had to do my own research. But as it turns out, the United States is virtually dead last in hospital beds per 1,000 people in the first world. It's insane. It's, we're, we're, we're set up. We're not set up to deal with temporarily sick people. I mean, Japan, 13 beds per thousand, Korea, 12, Russia, eight, Bulgaria, six, China, 4.3. Where are we? 2.8. The only people behind us are the bad social medicine countries like Canada, the UK, and Sweden. So when you only have two and a half beds per thousand, any kind of pandemic is going to put you over the top. Why did I say this? Because I had to do my own research in that regard, because I didn't trust the experts. But anyway, we should probably get to the book or we'll, you and I'll just talk yes, all day. Please. Oh, yeah, no. The, the only thing I'm going to say succinctly is I completely agree with you when it comes to Dr. Fauci and all that. I say, uh, just, how do you expect to manage a public health crisis? You have someone who gets it wrong too many times, who right. double, even triple talks and stuff. That's even possible. I mean, people just need that, to pay attention. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, work with, I work with very lefty people and... They're not that rational. I even have debated them even mildly. I said, how can you listen to someone? I, I didn't even say Fauci. I can listen to someone who, who self-contradict themselves. As, the as, as I put in the, the yesterday's column, it, it's so much easier to pull up a sign saying hooray for our side, Buffalo Springfield, you know, the song for what it's worth, than it is to think. And that's what we're mired in. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's something it, to the book as I, you know, I just, when I did the radio show, my producer used to say, stop pounding your fists on the table because it would come through. But the book, a good, uh, the, the former Kane County treasurer who was in, in a measurable help, this would have never happened without him said, geez, Jeff, you're giving away all our secrets. I go, don't worry, no one will listen. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I'm hoping that this finds the plurality of people who are willing to listen to, oh yeah, that makes sense. Why, yeah, okay, I didn't understand that. Oh, I'll avoid that pitfall, you know, there you go. Yeah, that already, yeah, I crossed out one of the questions because it's so self-explanatory, but I'm gonna ask it just to challenge my assumption here. Sure. Um, I mean, this is a pretty easy one. I, I'm gonna start with a little softball. I, I mean, actually I'm gonna skip. I mean, I'm just gonna ask it. Why do can I mean, why do candidates keep their ego during the campaign trail? That's a thing that frustrates me as a voter. You just, you describe me well as a voter. I'm ADHD. I find any little excuse to dismiss. That's my process on all yep. politicians from top to bottom. Did that well, describe think, me perfectly? Yeah, that, that's a that's actually that's a great question, Elias. Because the first thing is. You know, my good friend John Reeves says the second somebody throws their hat in the ring, they lose 30% of their brain cells. I think it's closer to 60. 
there, there's some, I think going back to hunter-gatherer days when we first decided we were going to settle down, there's just this archetype embedded in our lizard brain about leadership. And so our lizard brain kicks in and we stop listening to reason. And we think, um, one of my wife's, uh, she's a counselor at the school my wife is a math teacher at, bought the book for me because she was thinking of running for Congress and the book convinced her not to. That's a hundred dollars. She bought the color print copy. That's the best hundred dollars she ever spent. But one day she called me laughing her ass off saying, I love this line. I've run into very few movement candidates in my lifetime. And I know you're not one because you're reading this book. So, you know, the, the movement candidates, the ones who could come onto the playing field and, and, and change the game, John F. Kennedy, and he barely won. Ronald Reagan, and he wasn't as popular as many people think. Here in Chicago, Harold Washington for mayor was a true movement candidate. And sadly, he died of a heart attack. Donald Trump, Barack Obama, five movement candidates in my lifetime. And so you're not a movement candidate, but it's hard to convince somebody that they're not. And then they get into the game. And even locally, you know, with lovely social media, the second you announce, the you know, the opposing side starts attacking you. And if you're not a 15 and a half year journalist like me, and you haven't developed the skin of a pachyderm, you know, it's tough. And then you want to fight back. Um, so, and, and, the, and the, it just spirals out of control. Uh, there's uh, an Elgin, Toby Shaw, an Elgin city councilman had that kind of thing happen to him during his first race. He's one of the few people that's learned and did it right the second time and has won ever since. But there's something about it. You got to check your ego at the door. And it starts with my chapter on why are you running? It's not about you. It's about the voters. Huh. There we go. It just seems like I mean, I've seen campaigns in New York City. I could easily just, I mean, apply to this. Some of them have just spoke about themselves. I said, dude, to be quite frank, I don't give a shit. Exactly. What are you no, going to do for New York City? What are you going to do? Right. Because the quality of life is deteriorating, but it's, it's not as bad as the media report said, especially in the Bronx. I can speak um, strongly on the Bronx. Mm -hmm. But, you know, crime has went up in general. But for the Bronx, for the Bronx area, my area is still very good. It's still, it's still strong and resistant despite whatever you want. Again, again, I think, Elias, it's, it's the lizard brain. Uh, water reclamation districts. I don't know if you have those lowly offices that typically pay very little but go to patronage people. <laughs> there was almost fistfights among neighbors in Campton Hills, Illinois, over a water reclamation race. There was lawsuits and I'm thinking, I mean, I wrote about it because it was so insane. You're talking about, we. I am sitting in Geneva, Illinois on the Western edge of suburban Chicago civilization. That's rapidly becoming not the case. So you're talking out here in little West of Geneva where it's even more sparsely populated, fistfights over a water reclamation district. So yes, and that's the, I mean, Ron Hain, our sheriff, uh, I ran his campaign. He's 6'4", you know, he's, I, he's, he's, he's at least 20 years younger than me. And there were times I threatened to go over and kick his ass if he didn't 
let the ego go. And we would get into knockdown, drag out fights. And that's a huge difference between me and most campaign managers. I'll slam you with the truth. Once you sign that contract, I am your Jewish mother and I'm not going to let you make a mistake. So anyway, I'm, I'm going to get off on, on campaigning. But uh, yeah, the first thing you got to do is, you know, first step, you got to have a good reason and it's to run. And if your spouse doesn't want you to run, particularly if that spouse is a wife, don't run. It's going to be hell. But you, you got, you know, I, bad reasons to run. Oh, it was my turn. I want to get out of the house. I kind of want to see how government works. <laughs> I think I can win. Bad reasons. Good reasons. I want to give back to the community that has provided so much to myself and my family. Uh, my experience as alderman has been amazing, and I think I could bring that to the county board. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, anything, uh, I, 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 I have uh, expertise in this various areas. I think our city council has lost its way, and I think a fresh perspective is the way to go. Good reasons. There you go. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, uh, politicians, you listen to this. Take notes, take <laughs> notes, seriously. Exactly. And that's the basic Current and even, well, if, newcomers. If yeah. You can't come up with a good reason to run, and that's got to be the basic messaging. And if you can't let your check your ego at the campaign door, you're going to lose, unless your opponent's worse than you are. Right. Oh, no, yeah, you did mention that in the book. I mean, I mean, you're actually touching the book a lot. It's funny how if you mention a point, I will remember it all of a sudden. No, you do. I mean, yeah, no, it, it, your, your book was, especially, I think section four is the one that overwhelmed me the most. The first three, pretty pretty easy for me. I already have some background just to decipher what you was talking about. Oh, yeah, it was section four. That's when I really get into the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. You know, some people, Elias, don't know their election cycles. And it's critical. I had a, uh, I, I worked with the mentally ill for five years of my youth, but when I was like 20 to 25. And, you know, and they're so, you know, I mean, it, it's such a simple problem to solve. They have no political clout, so it doesn't get solved. And um, uh, so, you know, mental illness is a huge thing for me. Back when, in Barack Obama's day, the, uh, an association here came to me and said, we, we're going to get 33,000 signatures. I almost laughed at that. We're going to get this measure on the ballot and we're going to create this mental health board. I said, uh, if you could get 33,000 signatures, you know, I'll mow your lawn for the rest of the summer. And, you know, but here's the thing. Do not put your question on the ballot during an Illinois odd year cycle. They call them consolidated elections here in Illinois, e Elias. Mm -hmm. And those tend to bring out the older, more conservatives. The average age of an Illinois consolidated election voter is me, 63 years old. They're conservative. Don't put a question on the ballot to raise taxes. Do it in an even year, particularly when Barack Obama's running. That brings out the Democrats and you win. They did not listen. And they got the 30,000, 33,000 signatures. I saw the stack was three feet high. Bound correctly, they got on the bail and, and now they haven't tried it again. So the first thing is know your election cycles. And, and they're, they're somewhat different in every state, 
but you know, you, they, they, most states, especially the Rust Belt states, tend to keep local elections separate from the, the national and statewide because they don't want them to influencing each other too much. Yeah, that, the other, perf, yeah, that perfectly applies to New York State. I could say yep. that is that, I mean, me, I'm not going to say I have a super intimate knowledge of it, but I do have general knowledge. No, yeah, because the mayoral race is happening right now, and this is an odd number of years. So, right. Just, uh, and of course, New York and Chicago are a slightly different um, beast, but it's the same thing. The other thing, too, is you know, this is, this is, this drives me nuts. Know your district. I have had candid, I, I worked for the county clerk's office here in Kane County for a year and a half. And we had people submit signature sheets. And again, in the Rust Belt states, you have to get a number of signatures commensurate with a certain percentage of the last vote. It is covered in the book. Uh, and um, I have had people, we had people come into the clerk's office without a single signature from their district. Uh, you're not gonna get on the ballot that way, Elias. <laughs> so know <laughs> your district. We've had candidates, I've seen candidates send mailers to the wrong district. That's not gonna get you elected. So- Baseball, baseball, yeah, yeah. baseball. <laughs> you have to know these basic things and everybody thinks they know them. But as you know, we, are constantly being redistricted and things change. So, you know, go to your, go to your local election authority. In most cases, you refer to your, that a, a bunch of times. Right. I, I'm, I, and I understand why. I mean, me, if I was reading some kind of nonfiction book, I would have been annoyed, but this is, I'll consider this a great local, even to a lesser extent, national, guidance when it comes to winning an election even though it's no, primary yeah, no, it, 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 it'll it'll work you got to know your district you gotta you gotta understand the election format in your state are they runoffs i'm Future not gonna your candidates yeah. research know your damn districts they, right the other thing state. that's critical i just this is my favorite example pick a winnable race you know jack cunningham is our county clerk i worked for him for a year and a half invaluable lessons this book doesn't happen without jack and, um, but Jack lost six elections, at least before he caught on. In this 24 seven social media news cycle, you lose two elections, you're toast. That's it, you're marked as an also ran. So you have to pick a race you can win. You know, until recently here in Kane County, we, we were Republican and you couldn't win as a Democrat. Yeah, but I just got a Democratic state's attorney and a Democratic sheriff elected. It's changing. Um, you know, but the, my best favorite example, Naperville. You know, I believe Naperville is Illinois' third or fourth largest, fourth or fifth largest city. It's a, it was a suburb of Chicago, but really it's an entity un, unto itself. 120,000 people or so, I think. Uh, in any event, George Pradle was the mayor of Naperville, God rest his soul, for 20 years. And George was unbeatable. People threw low six figures into a mayor and the mayor in Naperville makes what $25,000 into unseating George and it could not be done. Why? Because George was originally a police officer in Naperville and he was officer friendly. And all those kids grew up, stayed in Naperville and they remembered personable George coming to their school. 
if George saw an app, I mean, he'd wave at you from his car. He'd talk to everybody in a grocery store. I ran a 5K race in Naperville and George was driving by and saw it. And he drives up, grabs the awards from the race promoters and starts handing them out himself. George actually handed me my third place award for my age group. You could, Jesus Christ himself could have come down. Allah, <laughs> Buddha. They could I not. I remember that I laughed real hard. At that they could that not. Say, they he was could the untouchable candidate. They yeah. could not be George. Chris Lousen, our, our, a very good friend of mine. I spoke with him this morning. He was our Kane County chairman. Unbeatable. Just his ground game is the only ground game that would strike fear into me. And this is what I hate to see. You know, people, good people. <laughs> go, go to, you've got me, you've got me fired up. Elias and good people run, but they run an unwinnable race. My good, my good friend and my attorney who keeps me out of jail, Jeff Meyer, actually listened to me. And after losing a congressional race and losing an Elgin City Council race, or maybe a, oh, a county board race, he ran for Elgin Community College trustee and won. And he's doing a great job. And now he has options. So you know, you're chapter four, you can kind of get bogged down and, and five and six in the paperwork, you can kind of get bogged down in it, but it's critical. You know, and for my, 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 my wife's and my friend, Molly, you know, she read the book and said, oh, I'm not starting off running for Congress. She may run for state Senate. She may run for park board, something more accessible, something more winnable. Um, and like, and, and, and by the way, there's three versions of the book uh, on, on Amazon, uh, Elias, the full color book for $99.95. It's, it's, a, it's a textbook. Now I know why textbooks are so expensive. They're ridiculously expensive to print. There's the $49.95 um, monochrome version, black and white. And then, uh, but we, and then there's the uh, $29.95 Kindle ebook version. Uh, I would I would recommend buying some sort of color version because the signage and whatnot makes a difference. Right, but I was this, say, especially for section four. Yeah, because yeah. you talked in detail about how big the name's supposed to be, and you know how right. much is too much, how much is too little. I mean, you broke it down. You you brought a lot of visual examples that really demands color. It does, I mean, and and really and I believe for the monochrome book. I don't think many people have purchased it. I believe I'll send you the appropriate color chapters if you let you me know. Send me the appropriate color. I can yeah, confirm yeah, that because I yeah. read the whole thing. But but and again, signage. One of the reasons Mitt Romney lost to Barack Obama, you know, it, it, for for again, northern states camp they make campaigning in the winter. They don't want to make it easy for you. And if you send, and this example was in the book. Uh, Mitt Romney's signs were white background and the, you know, RR for Romney and whomever, um, I forget his, and in the snow. Yeah. It's about Paul Ryan. I think that's that, right, that Ryan and Romney, thank you. Yeah. But his signs washed out in the snow. Barack Obama made the same mistake, but he caught it. And by this is all in the book. Right. And he went to a blue background that popped in the snow. Little things like that can make a huge difference, even in a presidential election. And you're talking about what situations you use a more cheap board or someone more doable or right. something even more doable. I mean, you broke down a situation so well. I mean, if they can grasp it, I mean, especially reading through the whole thing, I can understand it is too now and quit. That, that person's not worthy. 
because it is not uh it is not a easy book for I think for political novices. I no, but but that's again why it's written in an outline format. You do not yeah. have to read this book all the way through. You know, again, how how the heck do I get science in frozen ground? That's really kind of tricky. The best way is if you have an electric drill and one of those really long auger-like almost bits, you, you put your sign you, uh, on the frozen ground, you make the marks, you drill really quickly and you get the sign in because frozen ground collapses right around it. Um, the other way too is um, gutter, gutter spikes. They're, they're nothing but huge nails. Pound them in with a rubber mallet, get that sign in quick. Because the and then so it, you know, but those things they can drive you nuts. Well, I'm going to go out. I'm going to get the sign in frozen ground. No, you're not. It's not easy. <laughs> just trying to walk past it is hard. Imagine trying to yeah, do some yeah. more technical, more physically demanding just to remove a sign. So just trying to walk on top of it is hard enough. But you think it's just doing okay. All right. That's how thorough this book is. I wanted to write the textbook on winning a local election. I know. Uh, it's a uh, the reason why I mean, of course, I read through the whole thing. I mean, your outline is very, very helpful because if I want to refer to certain yep. uh, parts of it, especially what was one part I had to go back to on um, all oh, the paperwork part, because to be honest, I wasn't oh, like yeah. person that's like, oh, man, they, it was just fine. Any little reasons just to dismiss you. Okay, for especially example, in New York. Oh, yeah, New, yes. Yeah, New I've York heard of State, not just city. No, no, yeah, no, the entire state, like you said, is very, very um, strict. Let's put it out. <laughs> it's gotten a little looser in Illinois. They, we have started to move towards ballot access, but still, if you quote, I, I made air quotes for the listeners, mm-hmm. if you quote, bind your petitions in Illinois with a paperclip, you're gone. I have oh. a picture of the clip that you must use in the book. And it's weird. It used to be you could get thrown off for all sorts of things in Illinois. But and, and I think they've gotten a little too lackadaisical because in, in a, my 2016 coroner race, the guy put the district, the, our opponent put his district as North Aurora. No, you're not running for North Aurora coroner. You're running for Kane County coroner. We tried to get him thrown off the ballot for that and they wouldn't do it. And I'm like, really? I mean, so, yes. but we ended up beating him anyway. We lost, unfortunately, we lost the the uh, the general election. But yes, if you're in a state that requires paperwork, get, you know, talk to a candidate who's been successful, go to your local election authority. But if you go to the Kane County, yeah. the Kane County Clerk's Office, there's a sign on the wall that says, and that's in the book, advice yeah. provided by this office is not considered to be legal advice if you have doubts, talk to an election attorney. Yeah, no, you refer to all the right authorities, especially local, the yep. LEA, which is very important because even though it, it draws out a lot of examples, I mean, it draws example of the national, the 2012 presidential campaign, which is of course very, very, very vital. And a lot of it is for um, Illinois, which is, which is great. Um, I mean, since I'm in New York, I mean, even though it refers to a lot of real life examples of Illinois, but I could still, take extract it and apply it to, to new york because and you know it's i think in a good amount of ways it's there their election laws are pretty similar i mean correct me on yeah. that because you're an expert of um,
Welcome everyone to the second segment of this podcast. This is called Mid Game. We have three items here, and we have more bad news for Stadia, which is more of a Google gaming division. This does not affect the entire Google company, but this does affect Stadia. And my biggest criticism is it doesn't take a genius to notice that they didn't have any exclusives based on what I've seen, and I haven't paid attention to it. You know, it's they're supposed to provide cloud based gaming service, and they haven't been doing all that well. So you're losing Jack Bozer, he's leaving tomorrow, September 13th. Been the streaming services director of games. He has been working with Steve for five years. He spent, you know, he's he has experience working with PlayStation, especially. And he's trying to develop, you know, relations with it, but it looks like it's not working. Um, I mean, and he's saying, and Google told ZNet, ZDNet, is that this was a good decision. They. You know, new partnerships and product opportunities. Um, you know, just kind of saying him leaving was a good thing. Uh, so that Jade Diamond last year they lost Jade Diamond and former head of product John Justice. They developed and use N8 and they just partnered with PlayStation. Okay, so I guess. So I guess, I guess winning the being PlayStation fan may be a good thing. We'll see. We'll see about that. Um, Google has abruptly shut down its internal gaming studios, which that's a big, big indicator that they've lost faith in Stadia. You know, they didn't do well in 2019 and they're starting to do well in 2020. I'm not gonna read all this crap. And then they had a uh, accord, Epic vs. Apple. And lawyers and witnesses couldn't clear if Google um, Stadia was still um, operating, which that's weird. You know. I guess, uh, and they face competition with Xbox Game Pass streaming option, the PS Now, and Amazon with their Luna, which I need to follow up on what the hell's going on with that. So, this was nothing scandalous, you know, with the, with the quid pro quo, sexual harassment, mistreatment of bad workers. This is more companies just losing faith in products. Ah, moving on. That's all. So, the next item I have here is Nickelodeon, and Nickelodeon is releasing a game. A nickel is called Nickelodeon All Star Brawl, which features Nicktoon characters. Um, they have the Ninja Turtles. So far, they only have um, April O'Neil, Leonardo, and Michelangelo. They have them in a the pretty classic design. I think they aim for more 1980-esque um, design. Just I'm, I'm gonna play a lengthy video here. I'm not, they, you know, they kind of show them a little bit. 
but there's also a trailer which you can easily find now they show you 16 carrot stack popping up there's a couple of Mario 2's I don't give a damn about um but I'm they they showed cat dog and I watched cat dog as a kid I said holy crap cat dog is in there they even have invader zim and I saw invader zim a very short lived um series interesting I actually liked it um they even got Helga for Hey Arnold, and they got Riptor from Rugrats, which to me, he's the most interesting character. He's a big, powerful dinosaur, reptilian, and I won't be surprised if they put him as a power type, someone who could take damage and do all that, but you know, they have to explain some mechanics. They tried to differentiate themselves with light, medium attack, and only got up side and down moves and you have wave dash and strike and strafe her strafe is you keep your character focusing on one side they can move back up and jump and do attacks um that part is one of the few things that i can see that they can be superior to super smash brothers super smash brother has a great legacy they have way more characters way better graphics way more content but can this be a potential contender? I would say, yeah, if they play their cards right. The, the big thing that I find very empty about this game, and I was watching, I noticed that there was no voice acting. They are known to talk. And the fact that you don't have that in there while they're doing their moves, or, you know, talking trash to one another. I think that's going to be a big problem. I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy that game. It's something minor, but to me, I think it's very important because they have personality. You know, they have some decent lines, some of them. I would like Cat Dog and Talk. Cat's well cynical, smart ass, and the dog's more happy go lucky. Um, Hilda's mean, and SpongeBob, you know, SpongeBob, Sandy Cheeks, and Patrick's also going to be in the game. Patrick is hilarious. For him not to talk, I think that's quite, that's, that's quite a loss. Sandy Cheeks, um... Now, who else is there? There's, there's other characters I got by. You know, I'm not going to um, list all of them. But then we got Danny Phantom. Oh, okay. You know, I know who, who they don't have so far. And I'm pretty sure it's not the entire roster. I mean, if it is, that's sad. Uh, but I doubt it. I've noticed they don't have Avatar. Even though I don't like the show, but I think you should still include it. Uh, probably one or two fighters from that um, series. I noticed that they also don't have what's this other next show? Oh, the Fairly Odd Parents. And what was that other one? What's that other show? Oh, Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, they they are they're missing some series in there. Um, if they can have Cat Dog and Cat Dog don't have anything new anymore, and um, Hey Arnold, then. You know, I think that would be quite a loss if you know they don't include these certain characters from that series. I don't know what else they had they gotta have, but um, they about to be released. I would say uh, maybe the month or two. They said fall twenty twenty one, and if they gonna have voice acting and delay it by by freaking months, I will welcome it. Uh, it costs a lot of money, whatever. They don't need to make up new lines. They could just extract voice clips. They have a lot of lines. 
and then maybe maybe all you have to do is record maybe for the new ones or something you know they, they should be able to come up with that shit and it costs money well find a way because I certainly will not buy the damn game if you don't have voice acting it's just empty they're known for their lines they're known for talking and showing off personality and to me that's just a big loss if they don't do that that's my opinion and I'm going to stick to it alright last but not least I want to get those two things out of the way it has potential to beat Smash Bros if they play their cards right so I'm going to say and the, their releasing time, I gotta say, it's pretty smart because Smash Brothers is almost done. You only have one more DLC character. So I think the timing is good. Okay, I think the timing is good. And there's gonna be a time when the Smash Brothers hype will die down. So I think for them to release the game on um, my fall, I think it's a good idea. If they decide to add DLC, you know, maybe those series I mentioned. Um, oh, there's another one that that um I, I noticed I haven't said, and it's gonna be maybe maybe you should add I don't know Blue's Clues or Dora the Explorer, you know maybe you cater to younger kids. You know, you know Nickelodeon is not exactly mature, you know. So let's see if they play the cards right, they could they could um have a chance to be the next relevant thing since Smash Bros. I'm just saying. Now, I got that out of the way. Now, what we have here is Mage Knight. Mage Knight, the most complicated board game I have ever played in my lifetime. I'm sure there's a few board games more complicated than this. Dungeons and Dragons, I've never played it because I've never had a dedicated group of friends of three or four to um, play that with and no one has never got me into it they never gave me a good reason to to do that i mean i had to dedicate a whole day i said well you're a nerd don't have a life for that day yeah i would be <laughs> well you know mage knight great game um it's complex though it could be time consuming it could be overwhelming that's why i like that that they add their um their mode i've got the exact um name of it Oh, first reconnaissance, which is a great way, which is a great mode to try the first time. It could be solo, it could be, yeah, it's mostly cooperative or solo. I mean, you could, you could be competitive about it too. Maybe have those options. Um, it's slightly watered down. I'd probably say they, it's watered down by maybe 20%, but not by that much. It's a little more easy to get experience. It's a little more easier to learn the game. Because you try all the other modes. Just, you know, Blitz is good if you want to do it fast. You know, you don't even have that much time. The Blitz version of it watered down certain things and speeds up certain aspects of the game. Because they know this game could be long and tedious. And I recommend not teaching multiple new people at the same time unless they're really really dedicated because this game will take time to learn i mean uh an easy game a light game is one or two hours a heavy game could be three to five depending you know if people professional they know how to do things pretty quick you know 
great. That's not everybody. So, Mage Knight, it's a great game. They have multiple modes. They have um, modes that you gotta conquer the most castles or get, you know, get the most artifacts. You know, they have various modes. Or the other one I like, Conquest, which is a standard mode. You explore, do certain tasks, you level up, and you conquer cities. The higher level the city is, the harder it is to conquer. They have not just they have more enemies, and they're even stronger. So, you know, a level one city is, of course, very easy to take out. They'll even have maybe two moderate enemies or one strong one. That's you know, if you have if you're a level five, if you have a good deck, you, you could easily manage that. However, if you're going for a level, you know, five city, uh, it's a bit tougher. You're definitely going to have to go against a group of enemies, and you need to bring your A game. You need to, you might have to make some sacrifices that game. It's not an easy game um, in general. And I don't want to go through all the combat or give you the rules or whatever. But a game, you have to think of the most efficient and best ways to get your character strong and have a level up system. Yes, they do. You level up by slaughtering monsters. You gain fame, which is your reputation. If you have bad reputation, it's harder for you to recruit. Um, and you can lose reputation. You can lose reputation by trying to go out the keeps and castles. Yeah, you do get that. But you get good reputation for destroying rampaging monsters. And that's the orcs. Orcs are the weakest. Um, they're outside. You get some experience out of them. And then the stronger ones are the dragons. They're normally close to a city, though. You know, the, the courtside tiles are the tougher ones. And the countryside tiles are normally easier ones. Also easy to moderate. Because you do have some terrain that can be difficult. Such like swamps. You got to spend five points of movement just to move to a swamp. Yeah, it looks like, oh, it doesn't look that bad. Yeah, no, until you see a deck of cards, you don't got a lot of freaking movement. You got to toss a lot of them aside and say, oh, throw this card out, throw this attack card out, throw this um influence card out. Oh, even throw this block card out. Yeah, there are certain terms you're going to have to do that. Well, it's a great game, especially you love difficult challenges. And, you, and once you do these things well, you'll get rewarded. You get spells if you conquer castle. If you get keeps, you have more um, debt capacity. And if you conquered a city, it depends what city it is. You get some perks. Okay. I like the red sea. Red sea gives you artifact. You gotta spend a ton of influence. But I love artifacts. I like spells and advanced actions too. But I get to that a little later. Yeah, and then when you normally level up. You could get uh, either uh, extra capacity to um, extra, yeah, yeah, extra slot to recruit more people. You can recruit them in villages, monasteries, keeps, anywhere where there's a freaking building, anywhere where it's indoors. Okay, that's great. That's you normally gotta generate influence. Influences. You call it money if you want. I like it. I really like it. It's challenging. I mean, when I first played a game, I ain't gonna lie, I had a headache. But if you really didn't go through all of that for some fun and have a dedicated friend group for that, 
I mean, me, I only have two. It would be nice to find a third or a fourth one. So we have a dedicated Mage Knight match. That's why some people get turned off. I understand it because it can be difficult. And the rule book needed to improve because I even got into arguments with some of my friends about it. And some of them made a big deal about it. I mean, like, seriously. But I'm not a cheater. All right, if you're not a cheater, then why are you debating against the rules? You only debate the rules if I did something wrong or I misinterpreted it. Not even refer to the pages. You know. I said, bro, if you think I'm going to cheat you out, whatever, then, you know, just don't play with me then. Because I, I'm tired of, of people, you know, I'm tired of getting to stupid arguments for something that's just nonsensical. I mean, I, I don't drag it very long, but I say, okay. You know, only one of them, one of them, you know, I tried when he said, oh, you got to throw a card out if you ain't going to do anything. And then he brought up a good point. So, uh, well, I said, well, I'm the one that's going to be moving up the round because I need to move around. So, okay, you know, you made a good point there. There's no rule that explicitly set that. So, it's all right. You know, I'll be quiet if the person corrects me. I'm not the one that's going to fight two for now. The other one will just fight two for now. I said, it says it right there. Read it. You think I'm making it up? I didn't give the rule book. I mean, why am I going to lie on the board? You're not playing for money. Calm the hell down. You just find stupid things. Sorry, but raw. Huh, but whatever. And there's some people I try to get into it. They got a headache. They quit. Right in the middle of the match, which of course I win. But I was even teaching them, you know, and and you know, and the question some people gotta ask is, um, who's the who's the best starting character? And then I answer it with a question. Not to be an answer, but just try to get a preference. I'll try to figure you out. You want someone who I think it's easy? Or what's your style? If you like to play aggressive? You like someone who's a little more well-rounded? You like someone who's great at um, gathering resources? You know, I could prefer a character. You like a character that's excellent in movement? The healing category, I think only three characters have decent healing abilities. Um, you know, but I still think, um, I think it's between Revelor the droid, who was the seventh. No, he was the last DLC. He's the seventh character in total, but he's the last. Um, he was a third DLC. You call it best expansion character. I'm using game terms here. How this is a board game talking about here? Third um expansion, the third and last expansion character. But to me, he's the best in movement. It's, it's crazy because since he can turn to various animals, you know, he can be on top of mountains, and you know, in most characters, can I get on top of mountains? Not even the freaking dragon, which to me that's ridiculous. I argue with a friend when he first said, just, what the hell is this, you stupid mother? I cursed him. He was laughing, though. He didn't take me seriously. I got even more mad. I said, how the hell am a dragon with big-ass, beautiful wings? I can't fly over the mountain. I, what, what, he, what? He's this fat all of a sudden? Let me check. He's not even that fat. Well, he carried all those gems. Those gems weigh a ton or something? I mean, uh, you know, that was that was me being there, so being mature about it. Still, great game. You recruit. 
people, and there's one character that's really good for that. I'll be the elf now, wasp. Gold Dick's the dragon. He's great. He's the best for resources. Um, best for defense. Well, this one's also okay in offense too. Would be Tovac, and I and I recommend a lot of beginners to try him. His only weakness is um, influence because you don't got a lot of buffs with that. But you could build it up with advanced actions if it's available. It depends because that that could change depending on the person getting it or when the round is over. That changes, and it could change quickly depending on how many players have uh, gathered advanced action advanced actions. Or the better versions of regular actions. And you, every character starts with 16. And out of that deck, two cards that each character get is unique to them. If you want offense, the Blood Witch Arethia, she is great for that. Yeah, she's great. She's to me, she's the best offense character. Blocking, she's alright. Not the best. I mean, Tovac, his defense game is better than hers if you build it right. Offense, Arithia is awesome. She's the best offensive character. And she's also an awesome mana manipulator, which that is powerful. If you could manipulate and shift mana, I mean, that's even, you know, because mana could screw you over. You know, especially if, you know during the day, if it turns black, it's no good. And then during the night, if it turns gold, that's not usable. But she has her ways around that. So, um, artifacts are real powerful. Use the weak effect, you, you get advantage. But if you use the strongest effect, it breaks, and you can only use it. And the strongest effect is really, really powerful. And I can even say a very few of them, if you use them right, it can be almost game-breaking. Um, I mean, the only thing that blocks Cold Fire really well would be, uh, I'll say, very few spells, yeah, but they more offense. But artifacts have best defense against Cold Fire. And they have elements you gotta play, and certain enemies have attributes like Swiftness, which means you have to block twice. You have to do double the blocking before you, it counts as a full block. Or brutality, you have to do the regular block, but they somehow hit you and you do double damage. And they got poison, which indirect brutality. You get two wounds down, and you get you add two wounds to the discard pile, which means later on you get more on blood. And blood is no good. Too much blood is no good. You can get knocked out, lose a turn if your entire hand ends up all blood. It's impossible for you to die. That's a good part. Not for units, though. They get petrified, they're dead. They, they out of the game. Um, and certain enemies do have that. And um, I would say Medusa in early game has that. Not careful with her. Bro. I mean, you'll be paralyzed. But you could live. Your team, however, your recruitment, and they got two levels of recruitment silver for average, and then they got gold, which are the strong ones. Three level three and four is very good. Level fours are awesome. I'm not gonna say anything about them, I'm not gonna spoil that one. Um, level one and twos, 
they're all right. They're good for early game. But by, but by the time you start going to um, going to cities or even or go to countries countryside towns, you better start being at least uh, a level three or level four somewhere in your deck. Because if you have a level three or four people, you have a hard time. A one or twos are okay for um, early game. Level twos would be a better for mid game, and if you get some level threes, great. Level but the goal is not available until you start discovering one difficult um, tile, which is a country. Which no, a court. The courts. I think they call it court side tile. It's countryside tile, and there's a court tile. They go court tile. Those are ones that dragons pop up, and a city could be there. Um, potentially not all the best city, but the terrain is definitely more difficult, and enemies there is more difficult because dragons be roaming there, not orcs. Orcs are easier normally. Orcs are the easiest to kill, and they're, they're a great way to build a reputation. And you know, sometimes you gotta lose that. I go on and on about it. They have day and night mechanics. Night, certain things are allowed to happen. And day, certain things are allowed to happen. Um, characters got each character got different skills from their starting deck. Each got two unique ones. Um, Tovag has cold toughness, which means he could block up to five. Cold block five, which would be very good against fire enemies. Yeah, he has to have a starting deck. I think five or four. I forget the exact five. But I'm gonna get the ultimate edition and give you more, more um, detailed um, review. Yeah, I'm gonna go longer on this actually. And then, Arithi, and Arithi has mana manipulation, which means that she could change more than one dice. And Sean Fed, she can even do more of that. I mean, it's crazy. And then that can even benefit and directly benefit other players, or that's a great way to try to ruin other players. And collect crystals, because crystals are most reliable. You could collect them and keep them up to three of each color. And they got red, white, green, and blue. And you can keep um, up to three of each max. Max capacity for each color is three. And crystals you could keep. Mana you can. You have to use it that turn. Yeah, mana is temporary use. It's only available for that turn. But crystals, you can keep them. You could bring them with you. They're good for powering up cards, especially if you're going to be doing tough things, like conquering the city, going through swamps for movement. You normally use green or blue for movement. Attacks is normally red or blue. Or it could be green, depending. It's green. Now, siege attacks. Enemy have different attacks. They have fire. They have physical, fire, ice, and cold fire. Cold fire is a mix of fire and ice. Don't ask me how it makes sense. Don't don't bother. I'm not going to be able to answer that. I mean, I already told you some things about it. I'm just going to end it right there because I could go on and on and on about this. So, stating that, let's wrap this up. So, stating continue to use um, high um, executive people. It has nothing to do with scandals for once, like Activision Blizzard. Um, so... You know, it's just the product's not doing well, and people are losing faith in it. Google's losing faith in it. Google will be fine. It's just you know, Google they try things, they fail, just like any other company. But you know, except that they're so big and then they can afford it because they have billions and billions of dollars in their coffers. So, 
And then Nick, can Nick's um, All-Star Brawl beat Smash Brothers? It has some potential. It has some good mechanics, it looks like, but you know, one of them intelligently said it, and I'm gonna link the interview that you have to really try the game to get the feel. I said, yeah, exactly. You just watch it from the screen. You just pass us back spectators. So I agree with him totally on that. And but can be spam. I mean, Smash hype could die by the end of this year, and then Nick could take over for 2022. So I think as a shot, this guy played their cards right, and they keep. You know, but if they don't dress these shortcomings, it's gonna go downhill from here. That's all I can say about that. And then Mage Knight, complicated game, great for dedicated um friends. I love Mage Knight, you know. Um and and that's that. And I mean it's a tough game, but it's rewarding once you understand it. And that's all I could tell you. Alrighty. So thank you for listening to this lengthy mid-game. And we'll reach the third segment, the third and final segment, really, really soon. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, reach the third and final segment. If you just jump into this segment just to hear some weirdness, well, I welcome you to this podcast and welcome your listenership as always. I don't always say it explicitly, but I do mean it. If you like at least one of these segments, like, subscribe, share this podcast with others. Um, I'm not going to be asking for money. At least not anytime soon. All right. So, let's step right into it. For Weird Topic Finale, WTF for short. We only got one story here, which I think is weird as hell. Now, this has been reported about a man who was trans species, identifies a deer. And according to this, this happened in November of last year. Trans species man who identifies a deer was shot by a hunter in North Carolina. So South Carolina man got shot. Then this, you know, there's a video of it. I mean, this man has implanted horns and antlers in his head. And what is going on with this guy's mind? And what is going on? I mean, he's just walking, walking, and then got shot by two hunters. Now, 
this story has been debunked by Snoops for one reason because it's a sad topic. It's a satirical story making fun of trans speciesism and transsexualism. I mean, it, it, the South Carolina man, William Tenenbaum. Yeah, this whole story is fake. So don't worry, he didn't get shot. But he died. You know, and they say he had a critical condition according to Allendale County Hospital after he mistake it as a deer for two. I mean, I can mistake this as a deer. I mean, you have to be... Your eyes have to be really screwed up. If you see a deer walking on two legs... I mean... It came from WNDR. And it said it was a satire site, but they didn't they didn't claim that. They didn't claim it was a satirical um it was a bombing. But I think if if you didn't claim it that way, how will how could it be click good clickbait? I mean it was a joke, but after a while you just reveal it. I mean you could tell it's a human man. He has a chest, he has two legs, two arms, not four legs. His face looks weird as hell. He has two demonic looking horns and two antlers. I mean, I mean, people will just do weird things for attention. That's why satire was made for. Let's make fun of this, this craziness. Because we got to make fun. You know, we got to make fun out of this um, fallen, wacky world. You know, Snopes trying to attack them on that one. Oh, they didn't label it for social media sites. I mean, if you have some sense left in your brain, you should question the validity of this article. Some people fell for it because people react quick. You don't think. Hey, oh my god, there's a trans species person like a deer got shot by hunters. Oh my god, they so cruel. No. The, the plain vanilla truth is everybody's okay. It's just to make fun of this trans species, transgenderism. Look, you don't have to agree with everybody. Can this be a poor taste of joke? Yeah. This joke, nonetheless, me, I, 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 the only reason I laugh because of the ridiculous nature of it. To me, it's too ridiculous to take to um, accept this as real news or a real tragic story. That's just my two cents of it. So, you know. People, I mean, just think, try to do some research, go to Snopes.com to challenge your own assumptions and thinking, people. That's the moral behind all of this. Before you believe something so ridiculous as this, 
Pay attention. And look, in, in the photographs here, I can just see it's very poor quality. How can I take this thing seriously? No, it could be real. But most of the time, will not. They will not be real. <sighs> I mean, I'm sure the fact checkers have it harder today, especially these deep fakes, these deep fake photos, deep fake videos. I mean, they could um take a piece of your video and change it away, make it seem you said something that you will never ever say. And some people in the court could accept that's legitimate evidence and lock your ass up. And some detectives even determine, I mean, some detectives even, you know, determine that it'll take weeks, even years to debunk these deep fakes if, if the pro, you know, releases them. I mean, if it's for entertainment purposes, fine. But if they use it for politics and and just uh, and for defamation, like, damn, that's gonna be tough. Challenge your assumptions because your assumptions will be wrong most of the time. That's all I have to say. You know, don't just accept everything you read. Because to be honest, there's plenty of bullshit articles in the internet. If you keep believing everything, well, you're quite naive and you need to learn. Are you always going to get it right? No, but at least you won't look like an idiot in a lot of situations. Or talk like an idiot, or act like an idiot, or become an idiot, whatever. This is uh, crazy. This is very, very... You know, it's saying that certain people will believe this. You know, trans species man. You could tell as a human man really trying to look like a deer. This is something I have to believe to see it. And hunters have been trained to see what deers look like. This is an insult to the hunters, if anything. I said, well, you think we can't tell the difference between a real deer and some wacko trying to look like a deer? We trying to saw our, 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 our eyesight. I mean, come on. They are trained for that, and only a really stupid, really eye disoriented hunter could make that kind of mistake. If that really happens, um, you know. So that's what you think. Changing from man to woman is radical enough. So humans want to change themselves into animals, and this is not new for me because I've seen documentaries of this in my teens, and that's when it was even rare, harder to find, and even my early twenties. One guy had a surgery to look like a freaking um cheetah. Cheetah eyes, cheetah ears, and all of that. And I'm not interested in becoming trans species at all. Where my personal I'm not interested. If you want to do that, that's up to you. Good for you. That's your life. I'll probably show a little vocal opposition, but I'm not gonna try hard. 
it's up to use your money, your life, right? Your body, your choice, right? So, okay. Do need to do. If you want to refer back to human being, uh, you, get a, you know, the surgeon is not doing his or her job right, then you're going to come out looking not physically well. Let's just say that. So... That's all I could say for that. Yeah, that was a really weird story for Weird Topic Finale. Yeah, I do obsess with story, not an article, a fact. I mean, I talk about something random. It is Weird Topic Finale, and I might as well just throw a real wild card story. So remember, I'm going to remind you one more time. So for episode 85, expect part two of my interview with Jeff Ward. And for episode 86, I'll be the same thing. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Um, like, subscribe, share with friends if you think it's good. And have a blessed life.